station and children were going to school without any breakfast in the morning and said, we're going to start up a breakfast club. And they got all the funding in place. And they got to the church and they said to the church or the churches, we've got this really amazing uh, new venture starting up and come and be part of it. Well, Carl Wyatt's own mission hadn't thought through quite what was going to happen. Because all the people that they would normally want to help are actually at work or getting children ready between 7 and 8 in the morning. I think breakfast time was a brilliant idea, by the way. Um, but they were all getting ready. And what Carl said was his heart sank when he had octogenarians, sectarians, even nonarians, 70s, 80s, 90s, coming to offer to help. And he says, internally, my heart went up. He said, but do you know what? After that breakfast club has been set up, the children that came did not want to know the cool trained young, young community members. They wanted to be the 70-year-old man who, who uh, all his life had been playing table tennis. And so they would queue up because they wanted to play table tennis with this 70-year-old who beat all the children. <laughs> they were queuing up not to see the cool trained young workers, but to speak to the 80-year-old woman who would tell them stories. It was their grandmother who some of them didn't have a grandmother. And she was the person that they all wanted to be with. And they all wanted to hear the stories of her life, of the exciting things that she did. And I think a valuable lesson is learned there, isn't it? We ignore and we move the older generation to a side at our own, what's going for? Our own peril, thank you, our own peril. And for me today, this Psalm 145 just drives us home, doesn't it? That, that passage that I really, or that verse. And actually, as a few of us were writing that first song, and please do come and join us. I think there are about six of us that, that collaborated together. And it's not perfect, we'll bring it back at the next time and we'll, we'll tweak it again. But it was a, you can see the kind of things that we can do collaboratively, and hopefully that inspires you to come and be part of that. But the thing that really hit us was the line that Tim forgot at the end. Uh, the young shall tell the old, and the old shall tell the young. <coughs> and in the Bible, Psalm 145 phrases it like this. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. I think the danger of the worry is today that this for us is aspirational, not reality. But in the biblical days, it was the only way that they could remember what happened. There was no Wikipedia. There was no uh, social media. There was no internet to look up and see what happened many years ago. There wasn't even paper and pens. How did they know the stories of the past? It was through the oral tradition. One generation shall commend your works to the next generation. This is how the stories of God working in people's lives happen. But I think these days we've made it more aspirational, but well, I'll come back to that in a minute. As, as Brian uh, rightly pointed out, Psalm 145 is a psalm of praise. And it's actually a response to Psalm 144 where David says, I shall praise you. And it's believed therefore that Psalm 145 is his response that promise. But it doesn't just stop at one generation shall tell another. It goes on. They, 
that generation will speak of the glorious splendor and majesty. They will tell the power of your awesome works. They will celebrate your abundant goodness. The psalmist goes on to say, praise God. And, and the story that we hear is therefore then praise God through all times, through all generations. And how is that going to happen? It's not going to happen through Wikipedia searches. <laughs> the only way that's going to happen is by singing, by seeing others, by seeing the tradition that we have inherited, that we have shared together, being lived out, being talked about. Praise continuing through all generations. I get it. Children and young people are scary sometimes, aren't they? <coughs> you can't really have a sensible conversation with them sometimes. But if we don't try, we'll never know. And where in the church do we have room for that to happen? That one generation should tell another. And I think part of the reason that actually this phrase that, that in biblical times was a reality is now aspirational is because family structures have changed so much, haven't they? You know, when we go back to biblical times, you basically lived under the same house, every generation. And at that time, I'm not Every generation lived under the same house. So your children, the parents, the parents of the parents, and even if you were lucky, the parents and the parents of the parents, all were in one house and shared life together. And whether the children wanted to or not, they heard the stories of back when I was a child. In my day. All these stories that sometimes we overlook had a heart to them. A reality of experience that was shared, that was not just held. Look at the Bible. Look at these people of faith. Moses. Of what God 
culture still today saying the older you are, the wiser you are. We have become a generation where a culture says the older you are, the less important you are. And I expect some of you feel that sometimes. And I want to say that as a church, we need to buck that trend of the society. We need to hear the wisdom of those who have lived lives and have seen God working. We need to hear those stories and we need to say to, to our children, now I'll be honest, that going to the um, going to Roadhouse I think is a fantastic idea. And when Michael was here asking for it, it was a brilliant idea. But my Barney pizza. And he won't go. Why? Because he's honest, because he's a fussy boy It smells bad. <laughs> and we hear that. But at the same time, I want him to know that these people who are in that boat are not just old and godly people. I've lived lives. I've had experiences that he needs to hear about. I've journeyed through different aspects of life. I've lived what this generation will know as the history books. We need to hear those stories. And we need to give each generation the respect that it's due to hear those stories. Like I say, the structures have changed. There's a strain in the system of families, isn't there? It's not that we all live under one household anymore. Some of your families are on the other side of the world. Thank God for things like Skype and FaceTime these days. But how do we share the stories of our lives to those who are our children, our children's children? So I want to ask the question of us and go back really to a question that is poised at the beginning. How as a church do we make this a reality and not an aspiration? That one generation will commend your works to another. The young should tell the old, and the old should tell the young. How does each generation share their story? What role do the older generation, and please, I'm not saying you're old, I'm just saying older than young people is what we class as young people. <coughs> how does the generation of people, everybody that's what people through now, so I won't put it the older generation anymore, what role do they have? What's the active roles that they have to play? The mentors. James spoke last week, didn't he, about mentors. How do we get alongside the younger people to share with them? How do we become a people, a generation of prayer? And interestingly, and I've shared lots of things, James, but not this baby, but one of the things Paul would say, James would say, is, are you a Paul or are you a Timothy? Someone who needs to be mentored, someone who can mentor. And he did allude to this, but the reality is the majority of us are both. There are aspects in our life that are both Paul and both Timothy. We can mentor, but we also need to learn as well. Even, even the eldest person in this church, and please don't be angry, the eldest person in this church still has things to learn. And the youngest person in this church has things to teach. Don't ever think that when you get to 65 that you can retire from Christian living. Or 67, whatever it is now. By the time I get there, will be 75. 
don't think you've retired. There is no retirement in gospel living. There is no taking a back seat in gospel living. You have a job to do. Get on and do it. You are. We are here. But how, how do we, we have space to tell the younger generation our stories? Now, you might know the fifth Sunday of every month, uh, so next month in July, is our praise and testimony service. There's a great opportunity, isn't there? You might think, I've got nothing to say. But just something of what God has done in your life might be something that inspires others to hear the story of God working. To, to, to ask that question, how does one generation tell another? Controversial statement now, okay? Should we spit in ages on Sunday? Or should we find a way that we all are together and every generation ministers to the other generation? What would that look like? It might look like chaos. It might look like bedlam. But it actually might just look like God at work in our lives. What would that mean? How can we help the young listeners? You know, even at Joe's age, you can see them in their own little world, their focus on a screen or on something. And you have to say, Joe. Joe. Joe! Hello! <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like the teenager. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get this generation to listen and say, the stories that we have of God working, listen. They are important. And they may not match your life exactly, but you might take something from them and learn of God in this. One thing I'd love to do, and if you're willing to do, is come and speak to me after. You may not know, but we have quite a half decent social media presence in the community. Okay? It means that people are on Twitter, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. I'd love a video, just some short interviews with people of all generations, to say what has God done in your life, and to put those on social media, to put them out to the community, so that our young people, when logging into Instagram, or when logging into Facebook or Twitter, can actually hear the stories. And that's not just young people from this church, from all around the communities, can hear the stories of what God's doing. If you're willing to do that, please let me know, and we can arrange them. But I suppose we come back to this final question. How do we become a genuine, a genuine place where one generation has another? How do we build that? That it no longer is aspirational, but is a living reality in the life of this church and this community. How do we become a multi-generational Every single person in this church knows that they are loved, they are valued. That it's not just a church that's spending money on young people. I know church is not too far from here. But when they, uh, when they had a big praise service, made sure that the people at the door were all the young people at the front, and those that weren't quite the demographic they were aiming for had a little space at the back of the church. I don't want that to happen. 
I want every age, every person, to believe and feel that they have a story to tell of God working in them and for us as a church to hear. So that Psalm 145, one generation commends its works to another, is a reality and is something that we live and breathe to bring glory to Jesus Christ, to bring glory to his name.